Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Off the Key Podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and today I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, Goritz. Yeehaw. It's Garrett. And James. What up? And today, we're jumping out of our usual genre zones for this episode. Let me frame it like this, okay? I've made a point over the past year to expand my horizon. We did an episode on Marty Robbins and his classic gunfighter ballads and trail songs. I sought out, I said, you know what? I need to expand my horizons and I need to take country seriously. So through the help of YouTubers like Spectrum Pulse, who recommend a lot of great country music, I've had a little bit of a mini journey with the genre over the past year, and I've come around to it a little bit. Now, the record that we're talking about today, normally I would skip over something like this, but it is just so hypocritical, so generic, and so awful that I just had to talk about it. So today, we are going to be discussing the brand new double album from singer, songwriter, country musician, Hardy, The Mockingbird, and The Crow. Michael Wilson Hardy, a.k.a. Hardy, is an American country music singer and songwriter. He is mainly known as a songwriter for country acts such as Florida Georgia Line, Chris Lane, Blake Shelton, Dallas Smith, Thomas Rhett, and Morgan Wallen. Additionally, he is known for his collaborative Hicks Tape album series that features 20-plus collaborators across two albums so far. I'm not going to lie, I checked out these Hicks Tapes, and they are fucking tacky. They're really corny and... I mean, there's some likability to it, but, like, it's it's not that good. This is basically the man behind the worst parts of country music from the past 20 years. I wouldn't say 20 years. He didn't really come up until, well, yeah. you know, like mid-2010s, and he was mostly a songwriter. Like, he had a connection with uh, Florida Georgia Line, who he was introduced to by a mutual friend, hmm. and that's kind of how he started his songwriting journey. He's a hit writer for Radio Country. And he's responsible for a lot of the sound that would come through country music in the 2010s, especially the mid-2010s with with groups like Florida Georgia Line, that pop country fusion, that hip-hop country fusion. A lot of that can be credited to Mr. Hardy. He didn't really start making music until around 2018 when he was signed to Big Loud Records, and he released his debut studio album, A Rock, in 2020, followed by the you know, Hicks Tape series. He had the Hicks Tape 2019 and then Hicks Tape Volume 2 in 2021. And now we are here in 2023 at The Mockingbird and the Crow, which was released on January 20th, 2023 via Big Loud Records. So let me frame my problem with this album. He champions it as a deconstruction of country and radio rock and all of its cliches and as a subversion of those tropes. But somehow... As he says he does that, he serves up some of the most derivative, pandering, and toothless radio country and rock music I have heard in a long time. It's basically exactly what he he says he's satirizing, or it is exactly what, what it is. And I don't know if it's supposed to be ironic or it's supposed to be some kind of 4D chess thing, but... It's not as smart as he thinks it is. Yeah, it's really just the same fucking shit I've heard for the past... 20 years from country, popular country, I should say. It's honestly just nails on a chalkboard. I can't stand it. Now, the first half of this record is not as offensive. I actually do think there are some good ideas here, like the yeah. opening track, Beer. I actually think that's a cool concept, writing from the perspective of a fucking bottle of beer. Yeah. You know, like, that's a cool idea. 
but really this is a thinly veiled bro country song about the good old times. My biggest problem with this album and with Hardy as a songwriter in general is that he seems to me like the brainstormer. He has a lot of really good bass ideas that sound really good if expanded upon. Like, what if I wrote a song from the point of like a beer and it's my travels through growing up you know, from this inanimate object? There are also other tracks that he writes from the viewpoint of either a concept or an inanimate object, like mm-hmm. a liquor bottle, you know, beer, or so on and so forth. What if I wrote a song about, you know, standing up for domestic violence? What if I wrote a song about being self-sufficient so that if, you know, times got hard, I could look out for myself? What if I wrote a song about, you know, know, a romantic night with the wilderness in the bed of a truck? All these ideas, great concepts for a song. No, Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. That's the thing that annoys the shit out of me about this album. It's awful. It's honestly, and the perfect example is this, is someone came up to you. And they said, I just wrote a song. It's about love. It's about compassion between a man and his family. And you're like, oh, yes, I would love to. Go ahead. Let me see it. Let me read the lyrics. And it says, I love you. You love me. Let's get together and be a family. You think, are you an idiot? The album sells itself as something a lot deeper than it really is. It's basically this this album that sells itself as this really deep and subversive album when in reality most of the songwriting while I agree it comes from great ideas and stuff and I do agree with some of the premises of these songs they're written by someone who has the emotional intelligence of a 16 year old yeah like like kiddie pool surface level versions of all of these ideas some of the most juvenile writing I've heard not just in a single genre but like in general in like the last few years I mean it's just it's comical What cracks me up so much is even though he's trying to, you know, market this as like a, you know, meta analysis of country and rock radio, you know, real rebellious music here. Like he frames himself as like this big rock star rebel, even though he's part of radio country. Like he is a big contributor to Music Row and Nashville country. And it seems like, especially on the, the middle track, basically the track that's the transition point between the the kind of countryside to the more aggressive rock side. I kind of have to explain the context here. So the album is split into two halves. Yes, it's a double album. The first half is country. The second half is rock music. To dive a little more deeply into it, the first half is the mockingbird half. And then the second half is the crow half. The first half is, and this is, you know, coming from him, from his writing and how he expresses himself, especially in the middle song. The first half is basically him just doing the same thing he's always done, just been a great country hit songwriter. And then the second half is him saying, fuck all that. I don't want to be that anymore. And the middle track of the song expresses that exactly. No small terms. It's very explicit. This is what I used to do, and I'm fucking tired of it, so I'm going to move on and do my own thing. Again, it just comes across as very juvenile. As if you didn't know the sudden lyrical, tonal, mutant genre shift in the album. The first half, all the titles are all in lowercase. 
And the second half, they're all in all caps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you weren't sure about the transition, you know, he makes it very clear. Ooh. And again, no, I, no nuance at all. And I, I do think that continues to drive the point home that adds to the point. It's just one side is, it's more of a. It's by the numbers radio country. Yeah. And the second half, it exemplifies this aggressive anger, this angst, this built up angst that he's apparently had for all these years and he doesn't want to be a mockingbird anymore. He doesn't want to be the guy who's writing all the songs and being told what to do and told how to create his music. Now he's going to be doing things his own way. He's going to be himself now. That sentiment, that idea, again, like it's not a bad one, but Hardy is literally one of the faces of pop country writing and the transition, what he moves on to what he changes into is literally just like radio post-grunge leftovers from the 2000s. Exactly. That is why it's so hollow to me. That's why it's so stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I actually love the concept. I think that's pretty cool. You know, you're, you don't want to be the industry's bitch anymore. You want to do your own thing. You want to do things your way. That's awesome. But then don't proceed to do that exact fucking thing in a different genre, (laughs) in a different genre later on. Like, the sad part is, is, I think this is a very authentic album. I think this I is, disagree. That's, yeah. No. I wholeheartedly no, I, disagree. No, 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 no. I agree because you just see how just absolutely freaking an idiot he is. No. Like, <laughs> I I see what Garrett's saying. It's not like he's no. That's he's, who he is. This is this is who he is. He's this is exactly who he is, and he's presenting himself in that way. So in that way, it's authentic. <laughs> I, dude you rattle on about authenticity all the time i think this is the exact opposite of authentic this is the most fucking corporate radio friendly no, but that's exactly that's who he is that's what we're saying that he's the, i don't know if you read but there's a thing that when he was start when he started like performing music he said that he was just doing it to impress girls he was literally the bro at the college like playing guitar like playing wonderwall to get laid and then he made a music career. That is literally him. That is where he comes from. <laughs> yeah. Like, here lies country music. That song, he's singing from the point of view of, like, he's having a nightmare that country music is gone, which, of course, is ridiculous. He's, but... he's, like, he's like lamenting the loss of real country music on the radio <laughs> when literally, like, country is in its, it's, it's, in its prime. It's had one yeah. of its biggest years. He acts like he's saving country music breaking new ground and pushing country music forward when this is like the most corporate, this is everything that he's complaining about. And that's why I find it so hypocritical. Yeah. Agreed. But I I do see the song in a bit of a different light. It's more just, he's having a nightmare that country music is dead. And then at the end, he just wakes up and finds that it's not. And he's thankful for it. He's like, thank you, Jesus. He literally says it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's that deep of a track. It's, it's exactly what it is. And I do, I do, there are some tracks that, I mean, I don't love, but Red and Beer are not bad tracks, especially Beer. I gotta disagree on Red. It is like just traditional pop country, but I did enjoy Morgan's voice. I also enjoyed uh, Lainey's voice too, Mm -hmm. Lainey Wilson's feature. Her voice is very good. My problem with Wait in the Truck is where I understand the the justice-oriented sentiment of the song, it came across as very archaic and incredibly short-sighted. Obviously, domestic abuse is an important thing that we should be taking seriously no matter who's involved or what's involved. But this song feels like a half-hearted attempt at like a a domestic abuse revenge fantasy that appeals to like that old-fashioned 
old school mindset. You can't the kind of wild west kind of thing. Yeah. You you can't really take it seriously and focus on the really important themes that it presents because as soon as you really start to process the lyrics, all you can think is, Whoa, we got a badass over here, you know? Yeah. It's, just, yeah, exactly. it's so silly. It kind of ruins the whole thing. It's, I appreciate it for what it is. And then it builds up to this gospel-esque yeah. ending. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's, it's very oh. church, church-going gospel ending with the choir and everything. It, like, and I'm it's, like, my it's, God, this is it's, way it's bigger tacky. than it needs it's, to be. It's hammed up. Dude, it it's really is. Super, it's, it's super tacky. You could actually make a very real and visceral song. It's played off as this really tacky pop country gospel ballad, and it just it does not fucking work. It, it's no. like the disconnect <laughs> is so intense that I can't take it seriously. Another thing I want to say about this album, another thing I despise about it is it has the sound of country music of the past 20 years. It's literally like 15 years too late. This whole the, album sounds like a relic. Pr- Production-wise, it is god-awful. Overprocessed, barren. I don't know what yeah. the fuck they were it thinking sounds, with his vocals. It, it, even the rock part, it sounds so fucking thin. It like, is so over-compressed, like, and the drums are yes. quantized. Spineless, dude. Over, like yeah. over-compressed, Limp biscuit corn-era guitar that just sounds like... It was recorded in a metal garbage can and just compressed all fucking back. When a Japanese dream pop band has a fatter sound than your supposed angsty rock album, there's something wrong, dude. That's what I'm saying, especially in the second half of this album. There is no grit. Where's the bass? The bass is... It's not That's there. exactly the but point. There's, there's no bass, and the drums sound like absolute shit. They sound like fucking shit. And Morgan, I hate this drum sound. I don't, know, oh, I don't know what it is. Hardy sounds really far away. Like they turned his levels down super low. It sounds terrible. It really sounds like... It just sounds like the music that Kid Rock's made in like the last 10 years. Yeah. Washed way after its time. <laughs> generic. <laughs> like a mixture of post-grunge. And pop country with like a little bit of New like metal. rap, fl- yeah, yeah, flavor, and with just this whole, I'm a cool guy, I'm a tough guy, I'm a badass posturing. If you if you have to say it, you're not it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's the tail don't show. It's the I'm a madass. I will beat you instead. If you want to, it's, it's the show don't tell. Yes. Yeah. Whereas a regular song would be like, this is what I did, and then. One day as I was walking past, I, Take- you know, me and this guy had a standoff and I pulled out my gun and I had to shoot him dead. That would be a show, don't tell. Saying, I'm a badass and I'll kill you. You know, oh yeah. I, I post deer on my Instagram feed. Like, that's fucking. He said that like four that, times. That, 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 that's, that's a <laughs> well, stupid so, line. So I like, looked okay. it up. So I looked into it and apparently one of his, um, so he posted one of his kills on Instagram, like one of his deer kills and he mm. got taken down. And oh, that, yeah, yeah. that really bothered him because he brought oh. it up in like three songs. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, God. take acts like Tyler Childers, Ian No, Amanda Shires. They're doing different stuff in country and carving their own lane, and they don't have to say it. Yeah, because they, they present it. What you are getting from Hardy here is none of that. 
what he's telling you is the exact opposite of what is going on in this album. And that's why it aggravates me so much because he postures himself like he's this big badass and this groundbreaking revolutionary country artist when he's literally feeding you the same crap that radio country has been feeding you for the past 10 years. And he's not really getting any into any in-depth personal subject matter, but I feel like I can still see really who he is as a person because his writing is so shallow. You know exactly that he's that kid rock type because he can't write. Well, see, I he actually, can write. He can write hooks. I think he has a knack for pop country music. Yes. Like, what was that song? No, I in country. Mm. That's like a cute little concept, honestly. Yep. But like you guys were saying, he has these good ideas and these good pop hooks and these good pop chord progressions, and then he just dumpsters it over these like stupid, stupidly executed songs. I think that if you were to take an EP of the last, we'll just go ahead and say four, the last four songs in this album, it might be the worst EP, country EP of all time. The last three songs, I because I had that same idea. I was like, I really like the concepts of beer and happy rapping from concepts. Because, I mean, we've talked about, we love when pe- people do that. Like, uh, like Nas. Nas yeah. r- doing from the concept of rap beef. And, and uh, other artists have toyed around with this idea of rapping from either a viewpoint of an inanimate object or just a concept or in an general idea, or an yeah. idea. And I was like, you know, okay, a four, you know, uh, not good album, but with some good ideas, execution is not good. And then that, those last. The second half. You cannot those defend. last three songs hit the the uh, radio song kill, kill shit, shit till, till I, I die, die like the rednecker it literally dropped the whole those three songs just literally dropped it down to like a three and I was like man you know I might even be being generous they are just so bad the second half of this album is unredeemable if you ask me <laughs> I honestly think that if you took the rock side if this was presented as post grunge. It'd be the worst of post-grunge. Dude, it's by-the-numbers radio post-grunge that you would not even think about if it came on in the 2000s. And it's not entirely post-grunge either. It's post-grunge with a lot of new metal yeah, elements. Man, in it. Yeah, like some of the worst rock genres of the 2000s combined into this toothless, no-sauce radio garbage. And they just had to drag the singer of A Day to Remember into this. Let Sleeping Dogs Radio lie. song yeah. is one of the worst songs I've heard this year so far. That and Kill Shit Till I Die. Who the fuck thought it would be a good idea to put Jeremy McKinnon in the middle of a radio country song? I honestly feel like it's just to get those cross, that those it's almost it. like a clickbait thumbnailer title. Yeah. It just gets people like, what? Yeah, I, I feel like that's honestly a trend in music that I'm seeing, almost like a clickbait feature where someone is just super duper out of place in a song or genre that you're just like deathly curious. You're like, God, this has got to be a train wreck. And, and don't get me wrong. I get the whole point of radio song. It's supposed to be like a meta analysis. Like, haha, we're going to be this radio song and then it's going to get really heavy and serious. Oh. It's so tacky and ham fisted. Like, it's not funny. It's not, wow, that's clever. It's just tacky. It seems desperate and insecure. Exactly. He's writing like he thinks he's the smartest person in the room. Like all of his fans are going to be too dumb to realize his analysis, his ideas, and his new and his supposed nuance. And he's like, "Oh, don't worry, guys. This is a radio song. How do you know? Because it's got to be in all caps. We're we're going to tell you." 
this is a me- he might as well one of the lyrics might as well be say oh I'm trying to you know have a meta analysis I'm trying to be you know satirical look at me like do you really need to announce this so prominently if, do you think we're stupid that's exactly my point if he has to tell you it's not there he didn't do it well enough and here's the thing that kills me he framed this album to be some an album that cleverly navigates the cliches of country and rock music and has like a, a fun, like a meta analysis of it. And also kind of a rejection of and it. And a rejection of it while literally like, it's not ironic and meta in the way that Hardy thinks it is. It's ironic in the sense that it is literally doing exactly what it's saying it's against, which is pandering. It navigates the stream of country music like the Titanic navigates the bottom of the ocean floor. While I enjoy some of the concepts and agree with some of the some of the messages given in, into it, I just despise the execution and the fucking production and sound of the album. It sounds absolutely terrible. It's awful. And while, yes, singing from the point of view of beer and how it gave you like good memories and stuff like that. That's cool. And singing about self-sufficiency, I think that's an important skill to have and important to know people that can do that kind of thing. The rest of it is just fucking pandering garbage. You know, if this would just have been a regular pop country LP, we might have Probably would I never have over it. never talked about it. Maybe given a four or five, you know, go on. It would have made it wouldn't have made any lists. It'll just been right there. But no, that second half had to exist. It had to be a double album, and we had to take time out of our lives. Absolutely dookie all over this thing. That is how bad. Yeah, how bad it was. It was bad enough that I wanted to talk about it. I, normally, I would have skipped over something like this, but that like especially the second half and just the idea. And how Hardy presents himself just aggravated me so much that I wanted to talk about this. Kill Shit Till I Die is one of the worst songs I've heard this decade so far. It's one of the worst songs I've ever heard, period. It it radiates idiocy. It radiates the writing of a juvenile. It's pandering again. You know, I'm just gonna ride my truck and still go hunting and fucking drink beer like like it's literally like all of the cliches that he's fighting against supposedly it's he it's like a beach caricature artist <laughs> that's what it is that's what it, that he's putting all and that's what pop country does yeah. it's putting all of these rural people into one idiotic caricature yeah like broad mm-hmm. stroke that's one thing about this album that's so surface level is it's just everything is super vague it's super broad and it's trying to appeal to those small town folk when really all he's trying to do is pander because it just I'm, it doesn't feel authentic it at all. should if it was real and it didn't paint everyone look like then i would you know relate to I mean, i'm a small town person i've got more hell i probably have more country in my veins than he does in his freaking little pinky mm-hmm. i don't relate to any of this at all i really don't i mean i can relate to everyone else you know i can you know throw a country singer out from pff, 2010 back and I can relate to Chris Stapleton stuff or George Jones even st- subjects I didn't really have a lot of experience with I could relate to someone I cannot relate to this at all disingenuous yes I think that is a great word to describe this album is just yeah. outwardly 
blatantly disingenuous. Well, gentlemen, I've said all I'm, I'm going to say about this. It's a three out of ten for me. Yeah. On, only because the concepts and ideas and some of the songwriting is decent. Other than that, it's just, yeah, I can't stand it. So, yeah, three out of ten. I think it's worse, James. I'll, I'll give a brief overview of my thoughts. This is one of the most corporate, generic, and disingenuous country records records I've heard so far this decade. And while the ideas are cool, like some of them are cool, and I kind of fuck with some of them, not really, but a little bit, you know, like beer and blah, blah, blah. You know, I also thought Drink One For Me was a song with a sweet sentiment, but this is archaic garbage. This is 10 to 15 years too late. This sounds like it could have come out in like 2006, and it sounds like all the radio country and radio post grunge that he's supposedly fighting against. And this album is garbage. I'm going to give it a two out of 10. Don't listen to this unless you want a good laugh or to just, you know, understand what bottom of the barrel country music sounds like. I think that you could probably listen to the first half. He really liked pop country and be all right. No matter who you are, I don't think you should listen to the last half. It is soul-wracking, mind-numbing, it's drivel, it's trash, whatever else, what other negative describer you want to use. But I will say that if he could find someone that can edit his ideas and feed off of them, one, not only do I think that he needs to really be more of a writer, also I think he needs to give his work to people that aren't complete morons, like not Florida Georgia line, that can actually take his ideas and expound upon them in a legitimate way. I think there's some very good songwriting ideas, some very unique ideas that some remind me of folk musicians of old mm-hmm. and the kind of viewpoints that they're trying to sing from. And I, I, I like that. I like his his thought process on coming up with the ideas, but I can't give a musician too many prompts for brainstorming when the execution is just not there. I'll give it a three and a half because I think that if you really, if you just cut the first side, you might like it if you're a pop country fan, maybe, but gosh, that second half is horrendous, (laughs) horrendous. Not a, not a even, not even a forgettable track on that side. Not even a, this has merit, there's no merit. Honestly, we didn't even touch on how bad his vocals are in the rock side. Oh, yeah, they're bad. They they don't fit at all. No, not at all. They're over, just like everything. The whole album just sounds hollow. It's not good. It's a, I'd give it a three. I'd give it probably the highest score, three and a half. I was going to give it a first listen. I was going to give it a four. And then, man, once once some of those rock tracks started sinking in, oof, that really just took a few IQ points off from me. And I was like, <laughs> no, this it's got to pay for this. There's no way I'm getting this, letting this get off scot free. So, yeah, I gotta go wash my ears from this one. So, with that being said, guys, any final thoughts? 
Go listen to some Chris Stapleton. Go listen to some Sturgill I mean, Simpson. I mean, good lord, I I'll, I'd rather listen to Kenny Chesney's greatest hits for ten hours straight than listen to the second half of that song of that album once. Go listen to those those guys. Don't listen to this. Or better yet, go even further back to the the Godfathers and the old school guys. Go listen to some Alan Jackson and go way down yonder in the Chattahoochee. This album is the kind of album that makes traditional country purists sneer. I'm sneering. You can't see it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sneering. Anyway, this is Off the Key Podcast, and we're out of here. Thanks, guys. That was so fun. I just love appalling albums. here and i just wanted to give a shout out to lacrembo for the intro and outro music also check out our link tree for where to follow us we are on instagram and facebook and a variety of streaming platforms and if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow it'd be greatly appreciated thanks guys see you later